Welcome to the Mariner's Church Life Group Leader Podcast. This weekly conversation is designed to equip and resource you to build a healthy life group community that studies God's Word, practices spiritual rhythms, and changes the world together. Well, welcome to week six of our On the Table sermon series uh, leader equipping podcast here to help you along in your group conversations with your life groups this week. I am John Thomas, aka Lon John, and here with my good friend again, Mr. Dallas Viva. No, aka just Dallas. No, aka. Mm-hmm. I'm always worried that I get your last name wrong. It is Viva. Viva. So live in the Viva Viva. Yeah, Viva Loca, Viva La Vida, Viva Las Vegas. That's great. We're going to ask you to stop right there now, Dallas. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, man, we, we're so loving these conversations, and uh, we're coming into actually the more than the halfway point now in this uh, sermon series. Been some really, really good conversations. Uh, I know last week, as um, Eric taught through just um, beautifully through what does God say about gender dysphoria yeah. and the transgender uh, movement. Um, man, so many great conversations with our leaders in person on the patio online. Dallas, what did you experience last week? What have you heard from um, some leaders and people that you are in relationship with? Yeah, I think there was a understanding of terms of oh, I didn't know that's that's what this meant, which I think was beautiful. Uh, there was also I, I know for I'll speak from my perspective. I walked away with understanding what does it mean to have a hundred percent grace and a hundred percent truth, and yeah. I thought. Eric pastored and modeled that so, so well. Uh, my wife and I, all week, we still keep talking. We have like our own life group. It doesn't count as a life group because it's just the two of us. Just you and Kelly. It's just, just us. It's great. And we are, Most people would just call that a relationship, but I'm yes, glad somewhere. you call your marriage a life group. A life group. I love that. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just been beautiful and, and to see how well our people have responded has been so beautiful. So to all of you, to leaders, um, that's you guys leading our church well through your groups. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really thoughtful, you know, gospel rich conversation that we had this last week. And yet, you know, I've said it a few times, like even if you didn't agree with everything that was being said, I think you'd be really hard pressed to disagree with the, how it was delivered. And we saw that and we experienced that. Uh, even from folks that are um, a part of the gender dysphoria conversation from their own personal mm-hmm. experience. And even some of those that have transitioned, we had some conversations yeah. with people online, right? And um, I mean, that's that's the hope here is that we could point to the the truth of who Jesus is in a way that's invitational, but in the way that also just spells out the clarity of scripture. And I love that Eric, man, he walked us through masterfully through, through scripture, but also um, the perspectives that were, a clinical, cultural, um, that were even outside of of scriptural references that mm-hmm. I think brought a lot of just good perspective into the conversation. So, man, yeah. we are greatly encouraged. And leaders, I know that you're having these conversations this week. Um, and this week is going to be another one where I think actually even more so, um, Dallas and I were just talking about this, I think might even be a little bit more challenging in the yeah. practical everyday what is the culture that we live in, in in Southern California? Do you think that's true, Dallas, as we look at this header of what does God say about sex? I, yeah, I think this one might be more offensive even to Christians. There's, I think there's a lot that's going to be on the table. Uh, it's going to be a tough conversation. Yeah. Um, but it's a needed conversation. Right. And so we're going to do our best to lead you through the sermon questions now. 
um, springboarding off of off of uh, Eric's message this weekend. Um, but you'll notice the uh, question starts off with a lean-in question, and sometimes those lean-in questions are a little bit lighter. Sometimes we're going straight for the straight for the meat of the topic. But yeah. this week we um, we're wanting to get you to think creatively about the conversation we're going to have. So the question here says this: What's one thing that you used to do that you believed was good for you, but that you learned was later bad for you? Can you think of anything, Dallas? Yeah, like diet soda, right? Is that not good for you? I don't think it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, what's the, the ingredient in there? Aspartame. Aspartame. Yeah, that's not something. good for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's a diet, so you're like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah, yeah. No. It turns out not so much. Yeah. I've only recently discovered that Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal does not count as one of the five food groups, and that's also mm. not good for you either. Mm. A little bit of a joke there. Yeah. But um, what, what, what are we trying to achieve with that question? I think we need to get everybody talking. Like, this is as much as you can as a leader. This is an all play. This is a, hey, let's just go around the room and everybody say something. Let's just get everybody involved in the conversation. Right. That's right. And getting us to um, have our thinking aligned with there are things around us and messages around us and cultural definitions and practices that are just so um, consuming that we sometimes don't even realize that we are integrating ourselves with that message. You know, there's that great, I think it's David Foster Wallace quote of a fish swimming next to another fish. Mm -hmm. And the fish says to the fish, how's the water? And the other fish says, what's water? (laughs) And what are the implications of that? That you can be so surrounded by a message and a narrative that you begin to be um, sort of um, naive to where that message is taking, taking you. Yeah. You're blinded. Right. And then what's offered in scripture is really, I mean, we don't we use this word, a countercultural message, especially when it comes to sexuality. And so we're going to jump in straight from that lean in. You're going to read um, a few anchor passages, which um, Eric highlighted through the message. We're not going to read all those passages in detail, but it starts off in 1 Corinthians 6. And Paul is listing out um, a list of different sins and different activities, which he says will... Um, it's a counter message to the kingdom of God. It says, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God if we're practicing these things. And you'll notice that there's about nine things that are listed there. Three of them are directly related uh, towards a sexual ethic and a sexual mm-hmm. sexual practice. And so you'll want to um, highlight those things as you look at as you look at that passage. And the question there is, how do each of these sins um, that Paul describes go against God's plan for sex? And this is where it's really helpful to look back at the message. I hope you're taking notes during the yes. message so you can look at what uh, Eric is highlighting as you lead through this first uh, part of the passage. But I think there's some comfort to know that this isn't just a a thing right now in 2023 in Southern California, that this is throughout human history, that yeah. there is something different about the pull towards the idolatry of, of sex, mm-hmm. that we need to be aware of the cultural narrative and the conversation that that yeah. That's good. Um, where do we go next, Dallas? I mean, all of these questions, just so you guys know, you, you're jumping right in with your group. Yeah. It's it's one all play, and then it's a turn. Yeah. And embrace the turn. Jump in with your group. I don't know if it's it, – you know your group better than us. Right. So it's, is it acknowledging that with your group? Or, hey, is your group ready to just jump in and go through these? Right. Um, I do love the, the second question here. How should Christians' actions regarding sexual immorality be different according to what is read in verse 11? How, how should they be different? 
Uh, where does this ability to live this way come from? Why don't can you just read us what verse eleven says, or do you have it? I can read it right here. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Verse eleven. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Great. So, in light of that verse, what do we learn about how our Christian actions and understanding should be different? What stands out to you from verse eleven? We've been forgiven. Yeah. And I I can't help but think that there might be people in our group who who are struggling to read that and believe that, Mm. to read that and believe that they've actually been forgiven. Mm -hmm. And there might be someone in your group who's struggling with that, and you might be able to give them life this week Mm -hmm. of saying, hey, you you have been forgiven. They need to be... They need to be hear hear that from you as a leader, and this could be a really great moment to shepherd the people in your group right. through that. Right? Yeah, I love that. It's the point of we're living from forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We're not living to earn and chase down forgiveness. And even when we come up against, you know, perpetual attitudes and behaviors and practices around sexuality that are damaging of ourselves and others around us that we can realize that, man, we don't have to like white knuckle it and try to yeah. make things better in our own strength and our own power, because here's the truth, right? If you could have done it, you already would have done it by now. Yeah. That we are reliant upon not only the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus Christ, but also from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit yeah. for the sanctification process of working out salvation. Mm-hmm. And so, but there has to be an acknowledgement of a disconnect of that my behavior is not aligned with the life of abundance of the kingdom that's on offer for for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our response is, is different. We have an awareness of brokenness, yeah. but we're not living to chase down the forgiveness of God. We've been given that already. So it's then, therefore, how do we live? We live, live as empowered. We live yeah. acknowledging our brokenness and the empowerment of, of the Holy Spirit to outwork his mm-hmm. forgiveness in our lives. Um, and then we take a turn here. Um, there's a... Picking up the passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 14, uh, Paul is citing some of their own uh, sort of um, counter uh, arguments to why, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we do Mm -hmm. with our body. Turns out there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's an argument that many would have today. I mean, Eric talks about the hookup culture and um, the the, the living from experience to experience that Mm -hmm. it's just an exchange of bodily fluids that what we do with our bodies is inconsequential and that's 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 something that was here in this passage too. Mm-hmm. Everything is permissible for me. Mm. Uh, we were just talking how you can go searching for the answers, and if you search hard enough, you'll find the answer you want to hear. Right. And the answer you want to hear sometimes is not the one found in Scripture. So we can go to all these different places and say, "I'm on Google, I'm on page 36, and I found mm. this random person." You know, it's like you can you can find what you want. For everything is permissible for me. You find your own personal right. truth. And that's kind of the argument that they made to justify their own behavior. And it's a trap that we've seen for thousands of years, and it's still prevalent in our culture today. That's right. And then Paul kind of, kind of drops the hammer is the right word, but with verse 15, he lays against that argument about it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. My body is my own, and my personhood mm-hmm. is separate. It's just an exchange. And he says, man, in verse 15, don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? <laughs> that That's a big statement. Yeah. Should So should I take part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Whew. Wow. <laughs> I mean, tell us how you really feel, Paul. And yeah. then he says, absolutely not. Yeah. He says, do you not know that anyone that is joined with a prostitute is one body with her? 
For scripture says that the two will become one flesh. I mean, he's calling back to, to, to Genesis that this isn't just an exchange of bodies, that we're holistic in, in who we are and that there is something different in the union of sexual activity, which is why, you know, the only container that's big enough to handle the weight of that, we believe, is a loving, committed relationship of marriage between a man, a man and a woman. Yeah. That actually the Christian view of sexuality is not a low view. It's a really, it's even a higher view Opposite. than our culture, right? Yeah. I think that's sometimes misunderstood. How would you, mm-hmm. how would you respond there? Yeah. And it's helping people understand like your, your body is a temple. Yeah. We hear that all the time, right? Oh, my body's a temple. We say it. I've said it so many times. When you realize what was the purpose of the temple? It was a place where the praises, like the high priest gave up the sacrifice, praises, sacrifices. Um, it was the highest form of place of praise is is inside the temple and your body is a temple housing the holy spirit right. and so it's beautiful so having a, a high respect for our bodies that god views our bodies in such a high respect to that you are valuable your body is valuable as right. well and all the connections that spring from that right too right right and so how we use our bodies matter they matter mm-hmm. as a point of our spiritual formation and development and so our culture can have this view of it's just an exchange of bodily fluids or a falsely elevated view of idolatry where sex becomes a false idol, a God. Yeah. Or for guys like you and I who grew up in church where maybe the conversation wasn't always very helpful where it seemed as um, something you're not supposed to talk about. It was so terrible. Right? It's gross and don't, we don't talk yeah. about it. And you gotta Don't flip, get pregnant. Yeah, get, you got to flip that switch all of a sudden and then yeah. we see a lot of, you know— unhealthy ways that sexualities work out even within those, those relationships. And, and so like right sizing it for what it is, Mm -hmm. it's a gift. It's a gift that is meant to reflect the beauty of who God is in our relationship. And again, we can't overstate it. It's not a low view. It's an incredibly high view. One in such that the only container that can hold it is that union of marriage between a a man and a woman. God designed it. That's right. Like if everything God designed is good. And then when he made, us very good right it's good we're gonna um, skip through the from the lookout into the look in and this is a big question here it's a second <laughs> question to look in we're just going straight at it right and yeah and there, there's a likelihood that you already know you guys are in, in these groups you've been in these groups for a while you've you've gone through rooted together you've had these conversations but don't be surprised at what might come out here in this question um, are there any sexual attitudes or behaviors that need to change as a result of better understanding the gospel and its impact on your sexuality. That's kind of a long-winded way of saying, hey, in light of this, this biblical understanding of what sex and sexuality is, are there practices right now or attitudes that are misaligned? Where do you need to repent, we might even say. Yeah. That could be a big turn in groups, Dallas. What what would you say to group leaders as they're navigating that question now? Yeah, I'd say if if someone in your group what if what if someone in your group were to say something there? Yeah. Say, hey, I'm I'm living with my boyfriend. I'm living with my girlfriend. I'm um, addicted to porn. I'm you know insert insert anything anything there. What is your response? Right. What is your body language there? How do we respond? Do we just say, oh well, since you're struggling, you can't be a part of this group? Like that's that's not the response. It's it's how do you meet them with grace? In truth, how do you come around them? How do you love them? This That's such a vulnerable moment that I believe the Holy Spirit's working on their heart, right. making them more 
like the son, Jesus, the yeah. son. Yeah. Uh, so how do we respond to that? How do we have that conversation? How do we, how do we lead that moment as yeah. a leader? Yeah. And I think even, even modeling as a leader, how to respond to that question and recognizing, like Paul said, you know, I'm chief amongst all yeah. <laughs> sinners. Yeah. That every single one of us, mm-hmm. with honesty and integrity, will have things that we need to talk about ar- around yes. around this question. That none of us are, are immune from it. So as a leader, you kind of set the tone and pace and say, "Man, you know what? I don't always get this thing right. Yeah. Like I, I, there are where there are areas where I have used sex as an exchange. There are areas maybe where I've used it, where I've weaponized it, even within marriage as something that I withhold or or, or yeah. give only when I want. That there are ways that we've all have a misaligned view and practice around this. Mm-hmm. And so you want to create like a group as you already are, where people are, are are vulnerable, they're they're honest to share, and that they know that they're going to be met with grace, you mm-hmm. know, forgiveness, um, accept acceptance, but also a grace and a forgiveness of an acceptance that doesn't just leave it at that, right? Too. Yeah. Because that's part of our role as life group leaders is we hear things and then we also wanted to lovingly respond with, man, I'm so, man, I love that you shared that. I commend you for sharing that. I'd Honoring. love to, I'd, what's that? Honoring. Honoring. And I'd love to talk more about, man, what is God calling you to now? Like, what do you think your response, what your response is now? And that's a private conversation. Right. That's not, that's, in key. The, <laughs> that's uh, pulling someone to the side. And yeah. I've been in that group where someone, someone had that said, hey, guys, I just need to confess this. And we took a moment, we stopped. We listened, yeah. we affirmed, we prayed. We literally got up out of our chairs, we laid hands, we prayed, and we had a one-on-one conversation afterwards of, hey, let, let's go, let's talk about this, yeah. and here's some great resources. Yeah, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. I'm just thinking about even groups that I've been in during Rooted. We've all been there in the incredible experience of strongholds. Mm-hmm. When you confess something to people that you don't really even know extremely well yet, yeah. And there's that beautiful exchange of laying hands on people, replacing the the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And we really see it as a beautiful um, uniting thing that happens within the group. And I just wonder, like, actually, do we still have that practice? Is that a normal practice within our life groups? Yeah. Or is our reaction when somebody shares, man, you know what? I messed up. I slept with my girlfriend. I shouldn't have done it. it what What is our reaction to that person? Is it, well, you know what, maybe you need to not be in the group for a bit, or we need to put you on the side for a bit. And not to say that there's not a time and a place for that, Yeah. but man, we want to, as our roles as shepherds, is to create an environment where people can feel safe and comfortable enough to share that struggle mm-hmm. and be met with grace, and then also brought on a journey of, man, what does it look like to you to respond, to outward yeah. forgiveness in your life? Sin is communal. But so is grace. That's good, man. Like sin is communal. It affects people. It doesn't just affect you. It affects all those around you. Yeah. And if a life group really is a place where you are sharing your life, like your group's going to be affected by that. But at the same time, a group is a place where people need to be. Totally. To be encouraged, to be loved, to have someone say, hey, I'm walking with you. I'm not going to let you walk this alone. That's right. And you have the opportunity and it's only in a group. Nowhere else. Nowhere else in your life do you have something like this where people are going to walk through the dirt of life with you and show grace and love and keep pulling you. And praise God all the more that that person is 
in the group, is yes, in your group God. and has an environment of care and nurturing to help outwork that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, of course, there are times as leaders when we we get into issues of like division amongst groups and like an unrepentant or almost um, soliciting, aggressively soliciting a certain behavior or an activity that is clearly contrary to the scripture. Yeah, that's something that we need to talk through, and that that's a coaching element for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those that it's it's an awareness of a misaligned behavior with Scripture and repenting and asking for help and help me guide and walk this through. Man, praise God that those people are in in our groups, because mm-hmm. guess what? Um, if we didn't if we didn't have that, if we draw the lines on behavior and, and people's different sins and things that they carry, and we're waiting for everybody to be perfect in the group. We would have no groups because <laughs> yeah. we don't exist. That's not us. Those people those people don't mm-hmm. exist. It may be a reminder of the incredible amount of humility it takes. That's right. And there's times in, in my life where I have to pray this prayer is, Lord, help me to see this person made in your image. If there's, if there's ever a time where I have an, just an inkling of a thought that I'm greater than that person, where I, I'm on my high horse, I immediately go into this prayer of, Lord, help me see this person the yeah. same way you see them. Uh, their blood covers them the same way it covers me, that they are made in your image. Right. And immediately I'm on this even playing field with them. And it really, really helps me to show grace, to show love. And then it brings me through a, a exercise and activity of, oh, Lord, look at all the ways you've forgiven me and you didn't cast me out. It's good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and the awareness of man, search me, know me, create mm-hmm. me a clean heart. What's the dangerous? What's prayer. that plank in my eye? You know, yeah. what is the thing that, I, that I'm carrying? You know, because... It's unfortunate that there can be like a hyper acceptance. Some some might use the term like a hyper grace, which I don't really like that term because it's not grace when it's defined like this of of anything goes, so it doesn't really matter. You're yeah. you're already accepted and forgiven, so your behavior doesn't matter. Well, it's like actually, no, we're accepted and forgiven so that we can then like work out our salvation with fear yeah. and trembling, and it shows Pursue shows holiness. That. That's totally. And there can equally be like a hyper a hyper legalistic. Thing that says, man, until you got your stuff together, then you can't be in this group. You can't. You can't be hanging. You can't be yeah. hanging with us. And so glad Jesus didn't do that. For oh me. man, totally. Because <laughs> I'd still be working. Yeah, for sure. You know, maybe he should have with you though. Maybe just maybe. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so, but but I mean, man, really, we mean it. We're praying for you guys. It takes a lot of discernment and courage to to handle these conversations and the different um, questions that are going to come up. Um, but as always, you don't do it alone, right? We have some resources to come alongside you, whether that's through our men's groups like Anchored. Uh, guys, guys like us, um, our women's pastor is going to be leading out um, a women's group centered around um, kind of sexual purity yeah. and even the struggle around pornography, which is there not just with men but with women. Mm-hmm. I think that's called the Round Table. Yeah, February twenty fourth. February twenty fourth, and all these things are on the on the table resource page. So this would be a week certainly to to make use of those and point people um, to the resources that are available. Yeah. Anything else you want to say, Dallas, as we close out this week? Just thank you. Uh, as as a ministry leader, I look at the amount of groups that get attached to a ministry that I oversee, and there is there's no way that I could shepherd and steward all these conversations. And the people in in the ministry, they go to you mm-hmm. as a life group leader. You are their person. So thank you for helping us bear the weight of ministry and having these conversations. We we couldn't we literally could not do it without you. So we're so thankful for That's you right. as a life group leader. Uh, we're with you. Uh, we appreciate you, and we're here to support. That's great. Thanks, Dallas. 
And thank you, leaders. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in this week. And we'll see you next week for our On the Table sermon series discussion.